1 Chronicles chapter number 21 and verse number 18. The Bible said, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Verse 22. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing floor instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And the king said unto Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. And the time when David saw, at that time when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Thank you for the good singing we've heard tonight, for what our hearts have felt in this place, and for your people. I ask you now, Lord, to give us liberty and speak to hearts. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I don't want to bore you tonight with a a lot of outline, but I do want to give you tonight Uh, In this passage of scripture here, there are seven things that marks this chapter in the life of David. Now this is a very dark chapter in David's life and I think you'll see that here in just a moment. But if you go back to verse 1 and 2 of chapter number 21, you notice the pride here. The Bible says that Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David uh, to number Israel. Now anytime that you see pride, you can rest assured that the devil is always behind that. Amen? And so we see the pride here uh, as this chapter begins in David's life. Satan uh, is provoking David. Now it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been serving God. uh, You can mark this down. The devil will do anything he can uh, to provoke us to do something out of the will of God. And so we see the pride. And then we see the protest in verse number 3 down to verse number 6. Joab, uh, David's officer, tells him that this is not a good idea. He objects to uh, numbering the people but David insists in doing that and Joab follows those orders. So there's the pride that marks this chapter, the protest that marks this chapter. And then in verse number seven, there's the problem that marks this chapter. Now, you might say, well now preacher, what is the big deal about David numbering these people? Well, the big deal is found in verse number seven as the Bible says, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. Amen? Now I'll tell you, 
anytime that we go against the will of God and the word of God, that's a big deal, amen? That's a big problem. And so the problem in this text here is that David the king has done something that has displeased God. So there's the problem and then there's the pleading. David realizes that in verse number eight down to verse number 13. And you'll notice in verse number eight that David says unto God, I've sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. You know, it's interesting here that David fully repents and David admits his sin and David admits that what he did was a very foolish thing. He confessed his sin for God, uh, for, uh, to God and certainly David found forgiveness. But he still had to suffer the consequences. Isn't that right? In fact, the Lord speaks in verse number nine uh, and so through David's seer and he says to him, go and tell David, saying, thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, thus saith the Lord, choose thee either three years of famine three or three months to, uh, to be destroyed before thy foes while the, that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee or else three days at the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast uh, of Israel. Now David is wise enough uh, uh, to know here that he doesn't need to put judgment in the hands of men but he needs to put it in the hand of God. Amen? He knows that God is a merciful God and that God is a gracious God and David basically says I'm not going to choose. I'm just going to let it be in the Lord's hand. I think it ought to be a reminder to us tonight that when we sin we can find forgiveness. uh, We can find full restitution but it does not alleviate us uh, from the consequences that we may have to face uh, uh, due to our sinful actions. Amen. You see what happens a lot of times is people will get out, they'll make bad decisions and bad choices and they'll sin and instead they'll come run to the altar they'll ask God to forgive them and God will forgive them if they're sincere. The church will forgive them and we should. But it does not take away the consequences uh, that you have to face and that I have to face uh, for the foolish things that we do. And so this chapter is marked by pride. It's marked by a protest. Uh, It's marked by a problem. It's marked by a pleading. David is pleading with God. And then it is marked by punishment. Notice in verse number 14. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. We ought to underline that and circle that verse. David commits one sin. And it cost 70,000 men their lives. They were victims of circumstances. For anyone thinking that you can live in sin and it not affect anybody else other than you, you ought to circle that verse right there. You and I do not realize the damage and the heartache and the trouble that not only are we bringing to our own doorstep, but how it can affect those around us uh, that are just innocent in what they're, they're just there. They're just, they're just victims of circumstances. And I want to tell you, God says to David, David, you want to number the people? We'll put a number here that you'll never forget. And I believe it was a number that haunted David all of his life. Uh, 70,000 men die at the hand, my friend, of pestilence. Why? Because of one man's sin. I'm telling you, friend, tonight, sin will affect you and it'll affect those around you tonight. Amen. And we see the punishment. And then we find the pardon in verses 15 through 17 that marks this. 
The Bible says that God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it, and as he was destroying, the Lord beheld that he repented of the, him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, it is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, and David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having noticed this, a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell on their faces and David said, God, is it not that I, is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people that they should plague, be plagued. Do you see what's happened here? This angel has come to Jerusalem God has steadied him. He has stayed him. He said, it's enough. He said, the pestilence have destroyed 70,000. He stops that angel and that angel with a sword drawn back in his hand, ready to execute the judgment of God on Jerusalem. David cries out and said, please God. Please God. Don't destroy our people. Don't destroy our nation because of my sin. He falls on his face in verse 17, 16 and 17. You can clearly see if you look at it, you'll see David's repentance, David's responsibility, and David's request. David takes full responsibility for his sinful actions. You know, tonight God will send revival to anyone that will take full responsibility for how they've lived and what they've done. For too long in our churches, We've lived below the privileges and we've lost the power and presence of God in many places because people have played church so long. Instead of repenting, they go on rejoicing as if nothing happened. Instead of getting on an altar, you say, Brother Gravely, I really want to have revival. I really want to see God and I believe that and I do too. But can I tell you something? The road to revival is a road of repentance, friends. That's how you have revival. Revival comes when you start doing inventory of your heart and your life. And David, when we get to our text in verse number 18... Uh, we see here uh, the specifics as the angel comes to David and tells him to go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now why did that angel tell David to build that altar there? Because if you go back to verse number 15, that's where the judgment of God stopped uh, and that's where restitution was going to be made. They was going to have to go to Ornan the threshing floor uh, to that little farm where Ornan was. Uh, it was there that, that the God would work and God would move and I want to tell you friends if you want to know where God's going to send revival in my life and in your life it's going to be at the very place that we left him or the very place that we drifted apart from him if we're willing to go back to that place it's at that place that we find God and we meet with God amen I see the sight, David, the Bible said that he went up at the saying in verse 19 of Gad and spake in the name of the Lord. Notice the submission as Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was uh, threshing wheat and I want you to notice this man in verse 21, he was a humble man. The Bible said that as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor. Notice this, and he bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Ornan was a very humble man 
him. He humbled himself before God and before the king. He was a hearing man. David said to Ornan in verse 22, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price that the plague be stayed from the people. This man Ornan was very humble. He's listening to David in verse number 22. Notice that Ornan was a very helpful man in verse 23 as he says unto David, take it to thee and let my Lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give the oxen also for burnt offerings and the threshing floor instruments for wood and the wheat for the meat offering. And notice this last phrase, I give it all. Here's a man that says to the king, I'll do anything. I'll give anything. You can have everything if it'll stop God's judgment. And David makes a statement in verse number 24 that I want to preach on in just a few minutes. That he not only makes it in verse 24, but he makes it again in verse number 22. He says, and the king said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it, notice this, for the full price. I want to preach a few minutes on paying the full price. Paying the full price. You see tonight, that's what God wants out of our life. He wants us to pay the full price. Partial obedience is just disobedience in the eyes of God. God wants our all. We sing that song, I surrender all. We sing that song, is your all on the altar. Remember that little widow woman when she came in, she didn't have much, did she? But Jesus said she gave all. Our Savior at the cross, he didn't give some, he didn't give part, but he gave us all. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And when God gave, he didn't give one of many sons. He didn't give some of many sons, no. He had a lot of diamonds, a lot of rubies. He had a lot of gold and he had a lot of angels. There's a lot of things God had many of, but he only had one. And what God gave was he gave all. God paid the full price. The son paid the full price. And God wants you and I tonight to pay the full price. Amen. You say, but Brother Gravely, that's too big of a gift. That's too much to ask. I don't think I can do that. I'm a failure. I fall short. I'm always missing the mark. How can I pay a full price? I'll tell you how. You get on an altar and you say, God, here I am. I may not look like much. I may not be much. And I don't know what you can do with me, but I don't want to halfway serve you. I don't want to halfway go to church. I don't want to halfway sing songs. I don't want to halfway listen to preaching. I don't want to halfway read my Bible. I don't want to halfway pass out tracks. I don't want to halfway have a prayer life. God, I can't be what others are, but I want to pay the full price. Here I am. God, take me. Use me. You can have all of me. Amen. That's how you pay the full price. David says to Ornan, he says, I'll pay the full price. What drove David to do that? Two things. The judgment of God the chastisement of God in his own life, and I think a third thing will do that, the blood of other men drove David to say, I'll pay full price. I'm not going to take it without cost. I want to pay a full price. You see, tonight there's a lot of people who don't want to pay the full price. When you think about a salary in this day and time, there's a lot of people, they want a full salary, but they want to do little work. Can I get an amen right there? 
Y'all know anybody like that? I pray that nobody like that is a member of Bible Baptist Church. If you're a Christian, you ought to work hard every day. Somebody say amen. You say, well, I don't like the way they treat me on the job. It may be the way that you work, amen. If you're a sorry worker, you may be getting sorry treatment, amen. If you're a clock rider, if you're somebody that just comes in and you want to stand holding a broom all day or you spend your time running from the supervisors from break room to break room or from department to department, amen, or you're going to the bathroom 35 times a day, amen, and living like you got one kidney all because you're too lazy to get out and work. Oh, you want a big salary. You want a full pay, but you just don't want to work for it. Amen. I, I think a man ought to get paid what he's worth. Amen. And if he doesn't want to work uh, and he's too sorry to work, then the Bible said he ought not eat. Isn't that in the book? Uh, he's worse than an infidel. And this is a lazy generation. Somebody say, man, I don't want their $600 stimulus check. I, I don't want their $1,400 stimulus check. Now, if they send me one, I'm just going to buy more bullets. Somebody say, man, isn't that right? I, I'm not going to give it back to them. I, I, but I don't want that. There's no stimulus check you remember this uh, that is worth the price of freedom amen uh, and brother I don't want to live on the government I don't want to depend upon the government uh, I want to depend upon God uh, I believe in capitalism uh, I believe in getting out and working amen uh, and making a living uh, ain't nothing wrong with being blue collar or white collar amen uh, but I'm telling you free listen uh, I believe in a free society where people work for what they have uh, and listen if you want something get out and work for it amen is that right while we're on the subject, the church isn't a loan company. Somebody say amen. If you're a deadbeat sitting around always wanting somebody, uh, listen, to give you a handout, uh, uh, listen, I ain't, I, listen, I am not against giving somebody a hand up uh, and getting them out of a, a situation they're in, uh, uh, but people that live from handout to handout, uh, uh, listen, always wanting somebody to pay their bills, uh, always wanting somebody to foot the bill. Uh, hey, listen, that's a sorry excuse of a Christian friend. Uh, if you're a Christian, you ought to work and you ought to be honest about your dealings. Amen. You say, but preacher, I want to drive a Mercedes. Sorry. You can't work at McDonald's and drive one. And there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's. I don't reckon. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you're going to drive a Mercedes and work at McDonald's, you're going to have to drive one 30 years old. Somebody say amen. But isn't that the society we live in? I mean, they, they want to, listen, not work, but they want to wear $100 shirts and $300 pair of tennis shoes. Anybody with me out there? Uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, young people, I think somebody preached on it this week. It ought to be preached on again. Uh, uh, listen, if you don't have a job, uh, uh, just be thankful for your parents, whatever they buy you. Don't complain about that. Uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, just be thankful for what you have. Uh, you don't have to have the best of everything in life. Uh, uh, listen, don't get caught up in this thing. Uh, of always trying to build this image. Uh, now, if God has blessed you uh, and you can have the best, I say have at it, amen? Uh, but isn't it amazing? We live in a society that wants a full salary, but they don't want to work for it, amen? They want full schooling, but no good education, amen? I mean, they, they want to, I've never seen any time, I mean, People go to job fairs, Brother David. I, I'm sure you've probably seen. They go to job fairs, and they don't want to work in a factory. They want to be a supervisor. Amen. I mean, they, they want to be the CEO of a, country, a company or a country. Amen. 
They show up in a in an old t-shirt and a, a baggy pair of jeans uh, and their shoes are not tied uh, and they show up at a, a job fair and, and, and I seen something the other day that said if you come to a job fair and it was telling them how to dress and I thought my goodness I thought common sense said if you're going to go apply for a job look like somebody amen yeah. and look like you got some sense now you may not have any but you can fake it amen and uh, look like you got some sense uh, but they just show up any way and they turn their application in uh, and, and it says on there I want to be a doctor they hadn't even brushed their teeth that morning I want to be a dental hygienist. Her teeth is as rotted, amen, as, as tomatoes in August. This is a warped society. They don't want to, you know, if you want to have a good education, now listen, this is real deep theology. You want to make good grades. That means you have to do your homework. That means you have to, so what do you tell? Oh, you got to pay the full price. You got to study. He said, preacher, where are you headed with all this? Well, they want full success but and great results, but little effort. I want to have a successful life. Hey, it's funny to hear young people talk sometimes. Oh, I tell you, when I, I tell you, when I get my job, I, I'm gonna get me a brand new pickup truck, you know. And, and I mean, listen, I, I'm gonna get them, uh, I'm gonna get them nice, expensive wheels and, and dual exhaust, you know. I, I'm gonna chrome that thing out, you know. And boy, listen, I, I'm getting me an F two fifty. As soon as I get that job down there at Walmart. <laughs> They're right. You got no sense. Oh, I get, how we get married, we're going to have us a, we're going to get us a, a big two-story house and, and we're going to fully furnish and we ain't going to put none of that, you know, we're not putting none of that big lots furniture in there, you know. Oh, no, we're going to go down there and we're going to get that solid oak, amen, just solid oak uh, all the way through. You know, I told them the other day, me and my wife, we moved out of apartment and there's nothing wrong with this, but we moved out of apartment, we moved in a single wide trailer. I mean, we thought we had moved in a mansion. We moved in that trailer. I'm talking about, I walked through there. I said, man, this thing's it's brand new. We had brand new living room furniture. We had a brand new dining table and four chairs. It was trailer furniture. Anybody ever had trailer furniture? The living room suit and the dining room suit cost me $150 together. Man, you looked at it, it looked beautiful, but when you sat on it, you wasn't sure if you was going down or coming up, I can tell you that much. I told my wife, said, it doesn't matter, it's brand new. It doesn't matter, I'd just seem set the floor and sit on it, but it looked good, you know what I'm saying? It was a piece of junk, is what it was. But you know what? We were just happy. We were just thrilled. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, there's nothing free in this life. Amen. Don't let the Democrats fool you on that. But people want great success, but they want little effort put into that. You say, what's all that got to do with this? Hey, it's not just about a salary. It's not just about a school. It's not just about success, but it even bleeds over into spirituality. Amen. People come to church and they say, man, I want revival. But you know what? They don't want to put no effort into it a lot of times. Uh, well, we want a good church, uh, uh, but some of them's not willing to pay the price. Now, some do, but some's not. Man, we want to have a great choir. I just don't want to have to go to choir practice, amen? Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I want to have full knowledge of the Bible, but I just don't want to read my Bible. I want to have a prayer life where God answers prayer, but I don't want to spend the time every day in prayer. I'm just simply saying this. Uh, if you want the results, you got to put the effort into that. You got to be willing to pay. 
full price. David, in this text, notice what he says here. If you're going to pay full price, is what David says in verse number 24. He said there's going to be a cost. Notice what he said in the latter part. He said, for I'll not take that which is in thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings, notice this, without cost. David said, no. He said, I appreciate the offer, Ornan, but there has to be a cost in this. Anything worth having will cost. You said, Brother Gravely, salvation's free, and it is, but it's not cheap. I'll remind us tonight, salvation cost our Savior his life. Doesn't cost anything to get saved. That debt's already been paid for. It's free. But if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to have God's power and God's touch on your life, I think God is looking for somebody in this meeting. And I know there are many that, that live this way. And you know what I'm talking about. But I really thank the Lord as I was studying this afternoon. I thought God is probably looking for somebody in this service tonight that he, he's wanting to single out, that he's wanting to, to get a hold of. Somebody tonight that says, you know what? I don't want to just be half in and half out. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just get through this revival, but I really want God to do something specific in my life. Well, then I want to tell you, if that's you tonight, God's looking for you. And if you're willing to pay the full price, just note this, it's going to cost you. You say, what's it going to cost me? It'll cost you self tonight. Self. Our biggest problem is self. My biggest problem tonight is self. Been dealing with self for all of my life. As I get up in the morning, it'll be self I'll have to face. Tonight, if you want to have revival, you need to put self on the altar. Oh, but preacher, what about so-and-so? What about such-and-such? What about the, the, the problems that, that's going on in our country? Oh, oh, that's terrible. But I'll tell you, your biggest problem in mine tonight is self. It's easy to talk about others, but we don't talk much about self, do we? Nobody goes out with church members and sits down and says, now let me tell you how wicked I am. Hey, while we're sitting around uh, the table tonight, let me tell you all the sorry things I've done and just run yourself down real good. Nobody does that. Well, people talk about other people. They'll run other people down. They'll say things about other. You know why? Because it makes self feel good when you talk about other people. There's some kind of a, a sick sense of justification uh, within the flesh uh, when somebody else is being made look bad. It makes that flesh look self-righteous like as if uh, we would never do that. I would never do that. Hey, listen, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you tonight. I'm telling you, that's how wicked my flesh is. That's how wicked your flesh is. But I tell you, if you want to pay the full price, let God take that book. Let God take that secret place of prayer. Let God take the preaching of the word and shine the light on your flesh and on mine. And go, dear God, let us see ourselves for who we really are tonight. God... It would be so sickening, repulsive. It would be so gracious if you pull back the curtain of all of our hearts tonight and open our eyes and let us all, this preacher included, see ourselves. There's a cost tonight. There has to be a construction. Look at verse 26. David built there an altar. Unto the Lord. You know, to build an altar takes work. He offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, not just one, but many. You see, there was a, 
sacrifice within the labor. You know, the flesh, and I really don't think it's this way this week. I really think that our church, what I've witnessed this past week, I think for the most part, and I know there are people that can't be here due to their physical condition. But one of the amazing things last week that has stood out to me in this church is that I think there are pe- I think that we as a whole have got to a place that we've had nothing for so long. Almost a year. No revivals, no special meetings. I mean, struggled at times to even have church. We've had nothing for so long that I, I, what I've seen is a, a hunger in people that we've not had in a long time. People are just glad to come to church again. They're just glad we're having revival. I, I looked around and I'll be honest with you, I've even had a heart attack almost this week. And that person came every night. That person, and I didn't even make y'all feel guilty. I, normally that's what I do on Sunday before revivals, really put a big guilt trip on you. If you love Jesus, love God, love your pastor, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you'll be here every night, you know that? But I hadn't even said that. And the building's been full. People's, maybe God is bringing us to the place where we'll get our eyes off of everything else and say, you know what we need to do? We need to build some altars for our children, for our grandchildren, our babies. Oh, what are they gonna what are they gonna grow up in if we don't have revival? And I think there's a there's an unsettledness and there's a there's a there's an element of concern amongst the church that's never been there before. God has brought some people out of their apathy. Why is that construction? You want God to do something, you have to build something in your life. You say, Preacher, I really want God to do a work in my heart. I'll tell you, start tearing some things down. Start tearing down some walls in your life that you've built up. Start tearing down walls of bitterness and jealousy. Some walls of anger. Some walls of covetousness and lust. Maybe some some walls tonight of worldly desires. And tear them walls down. Rip them apart. You say, how do you do that? You get on an altar and say, God, I'm done with this in my life. And God, I'm done with this. And God, I'm forsaking this. And I'm forsaking that. I'm going to tell you, I've seen it in times and years ago when God would send revival. It was when people got serious enough to say, God, I'm not playing games God I'm not playing church and you're the most important thing and God I need you and they start tearing down some things in their life construction you can't build nothing till you tear it down in our little old town Chickamauga we got one red light we got a pizza place somebody say amen and a Mexican, I reckon every town's got a Mexican restaurant, at least one, if not 17. And we got a funeral home. But they, they had a bunch of buildings over there that they've been tearing them buildings down for years. And they'll just tear a little bit of it off. They're separating everything. And, I, and I'll tell you the times I'd ride by there and I'd think, man, I'll tell you, that's still some ugly buildings. I wish, they'd, I wish they'd hurry up. I mean, I don't own the place, but I wish they'd hurry up. And I don't know what happened to them, but I'll tell you, about six months ago, I don't know if they hired somebody else or if they just, what happened, you know, but man, they, they started ripping them things down, I mean, by the day. I mean, just 
just clean. And you know what? You drive by there, it looks so much better with all that debris tore down being removed. I want to tell you tonight, that's what God's waiting for. Hey, some things in our hearts we ought to just tear down. We ought to get rid of some things tonight so that God can build them up. I want to say this in closing. Not only there has to be a construction, there has to be a cause. But notice in verse number 26, there has to be a cry. The Bible said that he called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar that burned over. Don't you know that when David calls on God that there's great weeping involved in this? He said, Brother Gravely, how do you know that David is weeping like so? I would think that if I was responsible for the death of 70,000 men, I believe it would bring tears to my eyes. As David lays these offerings on the altar, he feels the weight, the responsibility, the load. He, you got to remember David saw that angel standing there it's so much and that, that angel has that sword drawn back and it's in his hand uh, and it's ready to come down on the city of Jerusalem. That was an image in David's mind that David never forgot for in verse number 30 the Bible said that David could not go up before it to inquire of God. Why? For he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. I'm going to tell you David saw the judgment of God firsthand, and David didn't just see it but David knew that sword was fixing to come down on his own city of the city of God that he so loved and David on the altar. David is crying out to God. I want to tell you tonight that's what we need tonight in our churches. We need some tears back on our altar. We need some folks that will get on the altar and weep once again. Oh God would you send revival Oh God, would you stay the judgment of God off the land once again? I read this text this afternoon and I thought to myself, God, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I've heard everything from, from, and you have too. There's no sense in rehatching any of it. Somebody said, what are you praying for? Well, I probably don't need to say what's on my mind. I'm praying for revival. And you know what else I'm praying for? For fear that it would be used against me one day. You saw that ain't going to happen. Probably won't. I wished it would. I really do. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't condone people losing their lives. But freedom is never free, friend. And if we don't take a stand now, it'll be too late down the road. I don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what bothers me more than Democrats. You want me to tell you what bothers me more than Democrats? It's spineless preachers, and church members. If that bothers you, I'm not trying to be a smart enough, but that bothers me more than Democrats. I'm more sick over preachers and church members who complain about the president. Wait till you get you a Democrat and see how it turns out. 
complain about the last four years. Well, let's look at what's coming down the pipe, friend. Let's see how you fare about four years. You may, you may get on your face and wish to God you had what we had. You say, I don't like that. doesn't matter. does not matter to me one bit. Because I promise you, there's some righteous indignation. It swells up in me, Brother Laddie. They've spit on our flag. They've reaped havoc on our families. They want to take away our religious freedom and our religious rights. I mean, how can you not be upset about that? Hey, friend, this ain't a Bill Clinton administration coming in. It's a whole different animal. And I'll tell you what I think tonight. And what I think doesn't mean a whole lot, but I read this text and I thought, God, I wonder. I just wonder if tonight, if that angel's got that sword drawn back on America for all the babies we killed, for all the booze we've legalized. For all the pornography that we've said is okay. And for all the church members that sat in silence and would not go vote. And for all the church members that as long as they had their paycheck, they looked the other way. For all the preachers that stood in the pulpit and said, now let's don't get political. Oh, I bet. I wonder... For all the times we've slept through services spiritually, ignored altar calls, looked at our watch and said, well, I wish he'd hurry up. For all the times revivals were called and we sat at the house, watched TV, or went to the ball field on Wednesday night, took the kids, while the church kept the doors open and had prayer meeting. I wonder if that angel's got that sword drawn back tonight. You know what I believe? I believe tonight if there's some people that get on an altar and say, God, we didn't ask, I didn't plan on having revival. I never saw a two-week revival coming. But the Lord put one together, and who knows if it's two weeks or if it's ten. But what if God said, yeah, that angel's got that sword drawn back, but i tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some people that'll get on the altar and say, I'll pay full price for my children, my grandchildren, my church, my country, my home, my family. Oh, God, I wonder if God looked down tonight in a little place on the side of the road in Rossville, Georgia. God said, I'll stay that judgment just like I did at the threshing floor of Ornan. A little old farm outside of Jerusalem. God stayed his hand of judgment because somebody got serious with God. Tonight as we stand, I don't know if you'll ever I know there are some, I don't know if about others if they'll ever fully surrender but I would say if there's ever going to be a time it's this altar tonight 
It's, it's right here, right now. If there's ever a time when you need to say, I'm getting serious with God. I, I'm turning my heart fully to God tonight. This needs to be the altar call you do that in. Father, tonight I pray. Lord, all we can do is put ourselves on this altar. Lord, we're all a mess tonight. This preacher included. We're full of mistakes and we all know that. But God, we're here. And we're just asking you, Lord. Dear God in wrath, remember mercy tonight. Please look down on this nation that has been Israel's friend. Lord, that has kept the New Testament great commission. We've sent missionaries around the world. God, remember your people tonight. Show us mercy. Oh God, tonight I pray. Lord, forgive us where we failed and sinned. Forgive us for all the times we've taken things for granted. Please, God, tonight. Lord, if you said if there was just ten righteous, you'd save Sodom. God, remember the righteous tonight. Please help us. Help us as a people. God, have your way tonight. Help us, oh Lord. Help us in this revival meeting. Oh God, please help us. Help our homes. Help our, give our children, our grandchildren an opportunity to live in the America that we lived in. We know you're coming, but Lord, we don't know when you're coming. Please show mercy tonight.